Welcome to Positively West Virginia, where each week we share positive stories about successful West Virginia businesses making a difference in our great state. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WV News, and Interaction Media. Now, let's get down to business with your host, Jim Matuga. Coming to you live from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, welcome to Positively West Virginia. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Today, we have a very special episode for you guys. We're going to be visiting with Forrest Jack Bowman of Morgantown, West Virginia. Jack, uh, good morning, and thanks for being on the show today. Well, thank you for having me. It's yeah, great to be here. Yeah, it's great to see you in person for sure. Uh, before we dig into our topic today, I just want to say a little bit about Positively West Virginia. Every week, uh, we talk with West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with people just like you, not only in West Virginia, but across the country. Since 2017, our goal is to bring you encouraging and inspiring business stories each week from right here in the Mountain State. In that time, we've produced hundreds of episodes and Positively West Virginia is now a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can learn more about our mission of promoting small business, entrepreneurship, and business leadership in West Virginia at PositivelyWV.com. Our team here at Interaction Media and Positively West Virginia, we just love telling these stories that quite frankly, a lot of people never get to hear about. Our hope is that people realize you don't have to leave West Virginia to find great business opportunities. They're right here in our state. We want to encourage people to stay here and start your dream business or come here and build a great company or even move back here to West Virginia and be a part of this amazing small business ecosystem that we have in our state. And that includes nonprofit world and and uh, and artists as well. We appreciate all of, all of these guys in in our ecosystem. All of our guests are people who are actually getting that done. Also, day in and day out, they're they're doing it. And I'm convinced we can all learn from their experiences and most importantly, their stories. Our guest once again today is Forrest, also known as Jack Bowman. Uh, Jack, again, thanks for being here. Thanks. If you guys don't know, J Jack Bowman is the Jackson Kelly Professor of Law Emeritus at West Virginia University and a lifelong West Virginian from Petersburg. That's right. Petersburg, That's West right. Virginia. He taught law at WVU for 23 years, during which time he was named Professor of the Year by an unprecedented seven graduating uh, law classes. In 1988, he was named Professor of the Year for all of higher education by uh, by the Faculty Merit Foundation of West Virginia. That's the Professor of the Year for all higher education in West Virginia. In his retirement, Jack has written two novels. One is called All Our Yesterdays, the story of a much-wronged orphan boy's revenge on his tormentors, and The Secret of the 48th Foot, which is about the search for the chest of gold, uh, gold and silver coins that disappeared following General Edward Braddock's 1755 defeat by the French and their Indian allies. And we're going to talk about those books today. That's the, the basis of, of this talk. But uh, I just want to give a plug for those books as well. We'll have links for these on the on the podcast. All of Our Yesterdays is currently available on Amazon.com and The Secret of the 48th Foot will be available the first of the year 2022. We invited Jack on the show today to talk about his new book, to share his entrepreneurial journey, and to talk about his experience as a business leader in West Virginia. Forrest, Jack Bowman, again, thanks for being with us today. Thank it's great you. to see you in person, and thanks for being here. Sure, great to be here. Absolutely. Jack, you know, 
take a minute and i mean i, I talked about your law career your your uh storied law career uh especially at teaching at wvu west virginia university give us an update what are you doing these days well i retired i, I retired from law school in in uh, 2002 mm-hmm. and i continued my work i had a, a seminar business that took me all over the country 31 states and i i i lectured on legal ethics and lawyer malpractice and uh, on, on leadership and uh, uh, on time management and stress management and, and as I say in 31 states and occasionally in those states I'd get asked to testify in a case so I did that for another uh, 16 or 18 years and then when I turned 80 three years ago I uh, gave up my license and came home and started writing novels, and I've yeah. had a wonderful time. Yeah, you look great for 83. Well, thank you. It's uh, spry. Well, I, I try <laughs> to stay in shape, but it's uh, it's it's been great. I I now I have a workshop. I uh, work. I, I create a lot of sawdust, but I make I've made the Christmas presents uh, for all of our neighbors. We live on a street with uh, six houses. That's great. And uh, I've made a few items around the house and. Just have a great time, but I'm 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 writing uh, my novels now. That's been fun. yeah. So, you know, talk a little bit about your latest book. Uh, t- tell us about you know the this the inspiration a, from this. This is a story. Uh, let me start with my first book. Because yeah, yeah. Kind of leads me to okay. The, the first book actually had its genesis when I was 17 year old high school senior, and on the 200th anniversary of General Braddock's defeat, I read an article in the uh, Cumberland Times News. And the author of the article was celebrating the 200th anniversary, and he mentioned that General Braddock had a pay chest with him of gold and silver coins, and that after the battle it disappeared. And that was it. Well, it caught my attention. I clipped the article, kept it for years, and after I moved here, I started playing what if. What if, what if that, that chest, the information on that chest came to, the, to the, uh, uh, a, a, law, a law professor here, a woman, and her, her boyfriend, a history professor, and they started looking for it, and then there was a group of bad guys after it. And from that, I built the story of the, the hunt for the, for, the, for the gold and silver coins. As a matter of fact, that chest, I believe, is still out there. That, that part of the story is true. If you look uh, at the, new, at the uh, records, you look at the newspapers of the period, uh, the chest disappeared after wow. the battle. And the French didn't get it. They would have crowed about it all across Europe. The Indians didn't get it. It's still out there somewhere. And you think it's in West Virginia? Well, uh, I think it is somewhere between <laughs> Uniontown and Cumberland, Maryland, okay. the old site of Fort Cumberland. Okay. It's at the, what happened was um, General Braddock gave the chest to three soldiers. They put it on the back of a horse, and he said, take this to Fort Cumberland. So they took off. Three or four days later, one guy staggers into Fort Cumberland, and that's the proper bird. He staggered in, <laughs> and uh, he said the horse died, the, the other two guys were killed by Indians, and he buried the chest of the confluence of two streams. Wow. So it's out there at the confluence of two streams. Well, I've looked at the maps. There must be 100,000 confluences, and we don't know whether it's a two-foot stream <laughs> or 50 feet wide. So it's out there. But well, they, I th- well, these guys have been traveling like the old National Highway? or the, uh, No, they were going cross-country. Cross-country. They, cross okay. they were probably following what Washington used when he came out to, uh, to look at his lands uh, uh, in, around Uniontown, mm-hmm. uh, but anyway, they were going basically cross country, mm. and uh, they came down and, and started toward Cumberland. Yeah. And one guy made it to Cumberland without the chest. Yeah, staggered then in. he died. Okay, and my story begins there. Wow, so, that's cool. Uh, but that was fun. And, and that's after that's I did fun. that, then it was it was fun. I got the idea of creating characters, putting them in situations, and getting them out of it. That 
that my second novel. Yeah. My novels, uh, the unique thing about both my novels is that my, my characters are all ordinary people. I got tired of reading uh, books, uh, mysteries and thrillers, where the, the main character was a former CIA agent or, or some guy was police training who had connections. He could call somebody in, yeah. in, in Washington Just and say, ordinary people. turn off the lights in, on this street in Philadelphia at a certain yeah. you know, My people have none of that. Yeah. Uh, they wouldn't know one pistol from another. Wow. Uh, they're, they're not trained in anything. They're ordinary people who get in desperate situations, hmm. and they get themselves out by taking the initiative and acting with cunning and grit. That's yeah. what I'm... That's what you're known for. That's what, that's what my, my characters are known They're just ordinary people. That's great. That's, and it's, that's, 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 that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, I could tell you really get into, oh, I do. into this I do. writing. And the characters are fun. It's fun to create them. Yeah. And people ask me all the time now, who'd you create this character after? Who'd, well, you don't, and not for, after anybody. Uh, the character, one of the female lead character in The Secret of the 48 Foot is a pretty hot little number. And I've had more men ask, say, who'd you name Julie after? Who'd you model Julie after? Well, I didn't model her after anyone. I did tell one of my friends, well, I modeled after your wife. He didn't like that. <laughs> but basically, you know, they're just, uh, you make up the characters. So, yeah. Uh, it's, it's just been a lot of fun. And uh, I, one of my characters, the, the, the male lead in the 48-foot, has white hair. And that's the only thing we have in common. I haven't, I'm much older than he is. But he puts on a cap, baseball cap, one day and eludes his uh, pursuer because they don't recognize him. Well, that happens to me all the time. Hmm. I go to a football game. I have a cap on. Nobody knows me. Yeah. And so this guy did. But that's it's, the only thing we have in common. simple disguise. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Very easy. But, just change uh, it up. I, my characters are not muddled after anybody. People say, well, where'd you get the names? God, I wish I knew. I just. Yeah. So, Jack, you know, practicing law, teaching law, uh, you know, having your own business. I mean, it's really prepared you to have interaction. But you've interacted with so many people, yes, right? Yes. So you've picked up little traits and little, you know, idiosyncrasies of personalities. Has that been helpful? Oh, in, yes. In oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Talk I about mean, that. Man. All of my, every character has something of somebody I know. I yeah, mean, I don't yeah. have anybody in there that's modeled after any one person particularly. But there are things. I have a nasty banker in this uh, <laughs> All Our Yesterdays that... Uh, I jokingly say I'd modeled after John Fahey, <laughs> whom we both know. But but the fact is, I modeled him after nobody. But there are certain traits this banker has that of a guy I knew yeah, that yeah. I didn't particularly like. Yeah. And, uh, and that happens all the way through the book. How cool is that? And the interesting thing about characters is, I model, I I outline my books. Mm -hmm. uh, I, there are two ways you can outline, or you can not lose your spontaneity and just write. Well, I outline, but. Along the way, in writing it, characters walk into the book. It's eerie. Mm. I'm writing a book now, and it's set in southern Maryland during the Civil War. And a Union officer is in this store, and he asks to spend the night. It's a terrible night. And the store owner says, no, you can't. My neighbors are all uh, Confederate. I, I can't have you. And so that's how I had written it. He was going to leave, and, and I had it all planned out. He mm. was going to leave and spend the night. And in the back of my mind, I hear this voice saying, Paul, I wouldn't send a dog out on a night like this. And suddenly this woman walks into the book, and she becomes a major character. That happens. Not, not, any, not, not unique to me. Yeah, just uh, happens. But there are two or three characters in both books that just pop in. Yeah. Well, you, Jack, ever since I've uh, met you years ago, you've been a... Uh, you know, a history buff, yes. right? You love the Civil oh, War. Oh, I love, and, yeah. and, and right. I mean, how, how did you get into that in the first place? 
I grew up in Grant County, which is surrounded by history. Yep, yep. Uh, it was settled by Germans. Uh, Washington, by the way, surveyed around there and, and complained about the ignorant people. They only spoke Dutch, Deutsch, being yeah, German. Yeah. Um, and uh, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, would tell me stories of his father who fought in the Civil War. Mm. Couldn't believe everything my grandfather told me. But uh, <laughs> the interesting thing was, after he died and I started researching some, some of the things that I sort of dismissed were true, you know. And I have a, had a great-grandfather who was shot at the age of 18 and, and at at a spring just outside Petersburg trying to get a drink of water with his troops. He was in the, in the Union Army. And, uh, you know, I've gone to that stream many times. And I just grew up with history around me. Yeah. And I'm fascinated by it. Yeah. But the thing that, that makes a difference, I mean, a lot of people grow up in historical areas, but they don't really see it and experience it. But you appreciated it. Oh, yes. And we have a It's been fort. part of who you are, really. That's right. We have a fort on the hill at Petersburg called Fort Mulligan. Yeah. And when I was a kid, uh, it wasn't developed. And I used to crawl under the barbed wire fence, go up there and move the cattle aside and, and putz around up there. And I found a whole a lot of relics up there, which I just took to Petersburg to the, to the historical library there. Uh, but uh, I, I spent my youth there. And I remember going home on vacation at, at, from college. And I remember one particular time I was on, up on Fort Mulligan. I could look down and it had snowed and then the snow had started to melt, and you could see all of the hut sites hmm. that the soldiers had stayed in, which are now gone. I yeah. wish I'd had a picture of that. But, wow. but yeah, I grew up in it and absorbed it. It was great. Yeah, you know, history is, is, is a fascinating topic, right? Because, you know, it, it's the foundation of who we are. That's right. right. Uh, not only in West Virginia here, but in, in the United States and so much of, of history today, it seems like we're trying to rewrite it. Oh, and, yes, and, yes. And relive it. And re, but, you know, what what's your perspective on, on history? And, you know, like, why do you appreciate it so much? Well, history is there for us to learn from, not yeah. to, to train, not to, not to change, not yeah. to do anything with. It's there to learn from. And there, there are parts of our history that are not very pleasant. Right. Slavery. Sure. I mean, no yeah. question about it. No question. No. But this country wasn't founded on slavery. Slavery happened to be there, and, and, and it was used. But uh, basically, uh, our, our, our history in this country is a pretty positive thing. Yeah. And uh, I, I think we lose something mm -hmm. when we lose track of, of what we were and what we did. And, 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 and that tells us somewhat of who we are, which is, is very important because we are – basically uh, a reflection of where we came from and i think we're losing that yeah absolutely now my, my grandson um my great-grandfather when i told you i was shot uh during the civil war uh he was he was illiterate and i mentioned it to my grandson mm. when he was around 10 and uh, i said he couldn't read and write and i'm here's his my grandson's response was well, what did he do watch television all day long well, you know, <laughs> had no idea now he's had he's learned a lot of history since sure, then sure. because i've dragged him all over the place gettysburg and so cool and yeah. he's heard my lectures on it and uh, yeah that's yeah. great so so talk bring us up to speed now um you talked about uh the the, uh, the first book right where what you know what are you doing these days with the new book it's um Tell us a little bit uh, about You it. mean the, the, the yeah. or yesterday. Yeah. That's the story of a 14-year-old of a orphan, underfed. Um, he's sent by the county officials to live on a hard scrabble farm mm. where he's brutally mistreated by two brothers. He escapes, gets back to his hometown, gets himself apprenticed at a woodworking shop, a furniture building shop, ends up prospering. Hmm. Ends up, he apprentices there, then ends up eventually owning the place but all the time 
The two brothers are constantly bugging him, bedeviling him. Mm. And they finally, after years, do what he believes is the unacceptable. And so he devises a revenge that even the brothers can't believe is happening. It's, it's a story of getting even. One of my, the people who, who are, uh, reviewed my book said it's nice to see people get their comeuppance. And these two <laughs> brothers do get their comeuppance in that book. Uh, the book is set 1896 to 1906. And uh, in a small town like Petersburg, yeah. sort of modeled after Petersburg, though it's not. And uh, it, it's about life then and how you get ahead and what you do. And uh, All Our Yesterdays, A Tale of Cunning and Grit. It's coming out the first part of 2022. Is that it, correct? It, it's already out. It's already out. This okay. one, all, all our, uh, the secret of the 48th foot yep. is going to be redone. And, and come out sometime this, okay. this, this good, spring. Good. Yeah. Okay, I thought I had that backwards. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah so this is out and, and, and good to go. How, uh, how's it going? I mean, you, you were just at a book signing in, well, in Petersburg uh, recently. Anytime I have an opportunity to talk about my books, um, people come up and buy. When I talk about characters uh, that are ordinary and they're facing desperate situations, yeah. people find themselves saying, that could be me. Yeah, and they exactly. come up and buy the book. The problem is, um, the Secret of the 48 Foot is, is not in print right now. All Our Yesterdays is in print uh, with uh, Amazon, yep. but it's just a matter of getting it out there and knowing I need more reviews. Yeah, and I, I need to, I, I haven't built the mechanism. I need to build a website. I need to go from there and uh, do a lot more. But when I have any signings, and I've had several, uh, I do very well. That's cool. The, the, the bad thing that's happened twice now is that the uh, Western New Book Fair has shut down exactly. because of COVID, yep. and that would be hundreds of books. Yeah, so, absolutely. But, but I can, you know, I went to Petersburg. Of course, in Petersburg, everybody knows me, but even so, I go to a strange place and, and talk about my books, and people buy the book. Yeah. Uh, and I have a bunch of them on sale personally. Uh, anybody wants them, I'll put a commercial yeah, in absolutely. here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll I make sure we have links I, uh, on, on uh, you know, to the Amazon store right, as well right, for that. Right. Folks, folks can click and, and, and check that out. So. Jack, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, you've had this uh, amazing career as, as a law professor, as a lawyer, uh, with your, your workshop business and seminar business going around the country. Uh, what's it like being an author in terms of being an entrepreneur in that, in that sense? It's been a, a whole new experience for me, <laughs> yeah. and I'm still learning. Yeah. Um, I really need to take and my wife. Uh, I think I've told you clips all your your columns, <laughs> and tell Jim uh, uh, Matuga says blah blah blah. And I'm trying to do some of those things, uh, trying to get uh, reviews on my book. People who've read the book, uh, I put uh, uh, bookmarks in there about how you can get a re, you know, write a review. Fantastic. I can get it out and yeah. all that sort of thing. Yeah. But I I'm still learning the process yeah. of being an entrepreneur. It was a little different with my seminars because I got known as someone who could do these seminars. And, and among the circles, but this is brand new, and yeah. I'm really learning. Yeah, you know what's neat, Jack, is you know, and I, I highly respect you. I mean, I've, well, I I've known you for a long time, and and I just think the world of you, your work with the Salvation Army, yeah, with Rotary Club, with all the different organizations you've been in, involved with, and, and a masterful speaker and MC. Uh, but I love the fact that you're. You're sitting here at 83, and you're already working on your next book. Yeah. You're, you're learning. Lifelong learning is a, is a tremendous uh, attribute and, and value, core value that I have, right. you know, and I try to teach that to people that are around me. We have to continually be you learning. You can't stop learning. You can't stop. Uh, or you dry up. Yeah. 
And yeah. uh, I, I, again, I'm learning. I have a file, maybe an inch thick at home, of things I need to, to do and, and understand to, to promote my books. Yeah. Uh, because I don't, I don't live by this. Yeah, yeah. But still, I, you know, you, you, this, this is not something we're throwing away money at. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm trying to, to, again, to get the business going. But, but you have to keep at, uh, the learning process. You can't ever quit. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. Well, even, even in your law practice, you're, you're an entrepreneur, right? Uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah. absolutely. So talk a little bit about your, your best entrepreneurial moment. If you have one, as you can you know, nail With down. my books, yeah. I didn't have any. I have not had an, one great entrepreneurial moment. I had every time, as I say, every time I have a, a signing and yeah. get a chance to talk about my books, uh, I sell them. That's neat. But in, in the practice of, of, I started to say the practice of law, but I wasn't practicing law. In, in the business of the seminar business, I had Frank Cleckley uh, got me uh, to, to go to Georgia with him to For, do a uh, former Supreme for, Court justice, Supreme Court justice, and, 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 uh, and a law professor with me, and one of my dearest friends. He got me in the seminar business, and uh, I went to uh, New York City and did a 20-minute program for a group, and suddenly started getting asked to speak all over the country at mm. at, at legal groups. Every state in the union after uh, Watergate started requiring ethics seminars. So I got known as doing good ethics seminars and started doing that. Well, in Georgia, the ethics seminars were run by a, a former colonel in the Army who I had known, or he knew me, and sent me to Europe in the, when I was in the Army. And uh, I remember he called me one day, and I'd been very successful there with his seminars. And he said, in Georgia, continuing legal education seminars don't give any credit to lawyers unless the seminar is done by a lawyer. We need a lawyer to talk about time management. Uh, do you have a time management seminar? And I said, uh, holding my fingers together, uh, well, you know, I'm working on one right now. And so I sat down and put together a time management seminar. And then it, it went, and I started doing time management. I, I went to Canada with time management. And then I, 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 he called me another time and said, have you done anything on stress management? Well, you know, I'm thinking about that. So I did stress management and uh, that sort of thing. And, and uh, those were my great entrepreneurial moments. Yeah. And I, as I say, I went to 31 states, two Canadian mm. provinces. And a lot of times I go to a state. I went to North Dakota um, to do a presentation. The guy comes up to me and says, "We have a um, we have a lawyer in this state, a big time lawyer, owns a lot of banks, and uh, he's stolen a, a, a ranch from one of our clients. Can you testify against him?" Huh. Well, I didn't care. I said, couldn't get anybody to testify against him in, in North Dakota, so I did, and we ended up taking his license not because of me, but because he had done something terribly wrong. But that sort of thing happened all the time. Well, amazing stories. Yeah, it was yeah. just... But so, you know, listening to the entrepreneurial moment, you know, the takeaway for me is listening to what the market's oh, yes. dictating, yes. right? You have to fill a need in the market. That's and right. that's really the essence of, right. of entrepreneurship is, is solving a problem for somebody. Every state except uh, New York and California, surprisingly, required three to six hours of legal ethics training every year by lawyers. Well, hmm. there's an opening. And uh, I got to be known as a guy who could do that, keep it interesting. Yeah. So I'd go, I'd, I'd go someplace, uh, uh, St. Louis, you know, I went to Omaha, Nebraska one time, did a program for the uh, uh, Omaha, one of the life insurance companies in Omaha, got on a plane, flew to uh, 
Kansas City, then drove across uh, Missouri to uh, Lake of the Ozarks, did a program the next morning for the Missouri Bar. But well, that sort of thing, you just have to do it. Yeah. But it was, it was. Uh, I bet that was a just a fun time to be doing what you were doing. It was fun. It was also, uh, yeah. I, I never got up to speak without being nervous. Yeah. I mean, I would wake. I would go into the hotel room that night, and then the next morning I get up, and I'm, I'm, I'm uptight. I mm-hmm. have to mm-hmm. have to be up. Have to be on top. And yeah. uh, it was. You know what's interesting is I've heard you speak many, many times, and in front of large audiences and you never appear uh you know nervous or oh. what's what's the key to, to when you stand preparation, up prepar- preparation right, talk we, a little bit i was that. talking with um, we we did a um, uh, opening of the of the uh, hope cafe up at um, uh, the mm-hmm. former ramada insight mm-hmm. um, for the salvation army and uh, i was talking with another speaker that day and i was there to say a few words and this person said to me, oh, I, you're so easy on your feet. I've just been word and word and word. Well, I, I told her, I said, you cannot imagine how many times I went over what I'm going to say. I mean, I write out what I'm going to say. And then I try to get up and not read it to you. But I, every word, I have been over it again. Mm. I, as you know, I used to do MC work, yeah. uh, freebies. But uh, uh, I never did a Master of Ceremonies presentation that I hadn't practiced, 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 practiced. You just have to do it. And then you yeah. look like, well, yeah, you're pretty easy. Yeah, it comes to easy. It. Nothing to it. <laughs> but it, to me, it takes a lot of and And, uh, and, and I've watched speakers, and you could tell they hadn't prepared. They get up and ramble on and on and on. Yeah. And it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work. Well, you know, I think... Uh, to me, it comes down to respect, you know, because you respect your audience. Oh, you have to. So in order for you to pay that respect, you have to be prepared. I, w- I was that way at the College of Law. Yeah. I never went into my classroom, and I got made fun of by some other faculty members without a coat and tie mm. because I wanted to show them how they ought to look when they go to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Wow. And you treat your students with respect. You teach your audience with respect, and you get it back. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, that is. And, and that is amazing. Uh, using a little humor didn't hurt anything either. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's important. And, and that's uh, your uh, your deadpan sense of humor well, is awesome. But again, <laughs> it's all preparation, as, as I've told you before. It's, you know, it's it, the, you know, the way you deliver a, a, a you know just a, a punchline is, uh, is is masterful. Jack, I want to take just a second to mention our sponsors for the show, Positively West Virginia, and they include the State Journal, WV News, and Interaction Media. The support we receive from these West Virginia companies allow us to highlight the incredible things happening throughout the great state of West Virginia in business. Today, we're having an amazing conversation with Forrest Jack Bowman. Uh, he's from right here in Morgantown. Jack, I want to get right back into it. What What do you see? I mean, you're obviously, you're working on your, your third book. What What's the uh, long-term pl- plan? What's your long-term vision? I don't have anything beyond. I think I'm going to continue writing. Yeah. Uh, coming up with the plots is, is not easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, my next plot is about um, the attempt by the Confederates to kidnap Abraham Lincoln, which actually happened. I've done a lot of research mm-hmm. on that, and it's built around that. Uh, and beyond that, I have a couple other ideas. My wife, uh, uh, former English teacher, by the way, she Myla Bowman. Yeah, Myla Bowman. She goes over everything with me and sounds suggestions. She had great suggestions, great ideas. She, by the way, uh, is one of my uh, best critics. Uh, I've had three people help me with my books. One of them was Myla, who, again, again, she, she, she's read these books so many times that she probably got them memorized. Another was my former high school English teacher. She's in her 90s now, living in Franklin, Mary Lee Ruddle. Uh, I sent her both of these books, and she reviewed them. 
and I have I've kept the uh, the manuscript you sent me covered with red ink and some pretty <laughs> succinct comments about you know uh, where were you when I was teaching oh, this. Oh, that's great. And then I had a neighbor. And yeah. what happens is you're writing a book, and you've written it, and you've written a scene, and you know what you meant to say, and and you said it. Well, somebody else reads it and. Wait a minute. That, that, that this piece is missing. Doesn't make any yeah, sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. I have a scene where in in this in this uh, all our yesterdays, where there's a, a fight that takes place at at this uh, uh, furniture mill, and uh, uh, I wrote it. I gave the manuscript uh, to one of my neighbors, and she looked at it and she said, "Well, uh, where were the other two guys? There were three people who worked in this mill. Where were the other two guys? Uh, why weren't they involved? Well, I had to rewrite it and get them out of the room." So, but I, I hadn't seen it that way. Yeah, you have you need someone else. You're to so tell. close to it. Oh yeah, yeah. And Milo does that with me all the time. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think this makes sense. You know, and uh, is that the hardest part about writing? Just like being so close to it. Uh, that's one of the hardest parts. The hardest part for me is just the writing, in the sense that I I, I, I had to learn in my first book. I would write the first maybe six chapters, and then I'm going to sit down to write the seventh chapter. But before I do, well, I'll look through the first six chapters. And then you never get out of the first six chapters. Keep polishing and polishing. Finally, I decided, no, I stop and I don't go back. In fact, I have a habit of stopping not at a logical point. You got the sixth chapter done. You, I go on to the seventh chapter. In fact, I may stop in the middle of a sentence because I know that when I sit down the next time to write, I know right where I'm going and you take off. Take off. I've done that repeatedly. That's cool. I had I to learn it the hard yeah. way. But because it's so easy to go back over and polish and polish and, you know. And you, if you wait to make it perfect, it's never going to oh, be Oh, it's never going to be. Never going to yeah. be. No, that's right. Yeah. That's right. What, uh, what kind of advice would you have for somebody who's thinking about, you know, I've got all these life experiences. I'd like to, I'd like to someday write a book. What, what, what kind of advice would you give them? I would say look at some publications about writing. If you're writing a novel, yeah. um, I, I go to the books of the writings of, of, of a person called K.M. Weiland. They have to look it up here. Yeah. Um, uh, outlining your novel and five secrets of story structure. Really great help. I just recently bought a book called uh, uh, how, to, uh, how, to write a, how to Write a Mystery by uh, uh, Lee, uh, Lee Childs. Uh, full yeah. of little vignettes here and there. Uh, not a great uh, uh, structured story but basically here and there picked up things about how to write um, and I'd say look at your favorite authors what are they doing how are they doing it and and why how, why why was this scene so moving and go back um, that's what I did yeah. I, my, my favorite author of all time was, was uh, uh, Donald Westlake who used to write comic crime novels out mm. of New York mm. And my novels are nothing like his, but the structure, the, the idea structure. of how to get them into a situation and, and get them out, yeah. uh, that sort of thing was very helpful. Well, it's interesting. You talk about the structure of a story. You know, um, you probably never thought about it this way, but my company's a, a marketing and media company, and that's all we do is, is write stories. You know? Right. And that's sometimes right. They're, a, they're a five second video. You know, how do you tell a compelling story in five seconds or 15 seconds? You know? And that's what you have to learn to do. You have, you to, have to have an elevator it. speech, yes, for example. Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. And, 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 Absolutely. And that's not easy to do. It, it's, yeah. Again, it's like going back to my speeches. You, got it, you, you practice it, you get it, you bear it down, you work on it. Mm. It takes preparation. Yeah. You don't fall into it. You don't fall into it. You can't just freestyle no, write no, a novel. No, no, yeah, you have no, to have structure. No, I like the idea that you talked about, too, is having that outline. I think that's a— I have to outline. Yeah. 
uh, in, in Wyland's writings, or maybe in Lee Child's writing, I'm not sure which, uh, they talk about what, should you lose your spontaneity when you have a, well, I, I don't. As I say, I, I have this uh, outline, and uh, suddenly people walk into my outline. Mm-hmm. In, in uh, 48th foot, my couple are camping out because they're trying to hide from these bad guys, and it's night. Well, I'm stuck there. You can't just leave them there to the night. You got to, something's got to happen. So they hear noise at night. Oh, well, you go out, and well, it's a deer. Well, you look at the deer, the deer looks at you, and I say, that's nothing. So I ended up having a dog there hungry looking for a little protection and the dog later became a major character in the book wow. i mean but that's how it happens yeah but i didn't outline there's, there's room in, in a in a structure in an outline there's room for improvisation that's right, right? That's right. That's you right. have you have this this uh structure but you can right. improv around it that's and that's right. where the creativity that's really right. flows that's right. but it also makes sense that's right, right. That's, the, that's that's right. the key so jack i always like to ask guests on the show because I like to talk about leadership. I'm a right, student of leadership. Right, right. Talk about um, a, a guiding principle that you have with regard to leadership and, and all of the different uh, career paths you've I, taken. I, talk a little bit about that. One of the greatest experiences of my life was the United States Army. Mm. Thank you uh, for your service, by the way. Well, uh, I always feel guilty when people say that because no one ever shot at me. I know, but still, but it's, I, we're uh, grateful for that. I, uh, I got an ROTC commission. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to law school for three years. Now, I know I'm going to be an office lawyer or an mm. office soldier, so I don't yeah, have to worry yeah, about it. Yeah. The summer before I went to the Army, we got a new judge advocate general, and he decreed that every new judge advocate officer had to graduate from the infantry officer school. So suddenly, here I am planning, well, I'm going to JAG school and working law. I have to go to infantry school to learn how to lead an infantry company in combat yeah. for about nine weeks. It was one of the great experiences of my life. And one of the things I learned there was you, you, you don't lead by being behind. General McClellan did that, and he mm-hmm. couldn't lead. You, you lead by being out front. In fact, at Fort Benning, in the parade ground there, there's a statue of a, of a soldier, and he's out front like, like this, and he's looking behind and saying, follow me. He's in front. I think that's what leadership is all about. You set the example. You, you show them the way you, you want it done. Uh, they have to believe in you. They have to, they have to rely. They have to trust you. Mm-hmm. If you don't trust your leaders, you know, forget mm. you don't need leadership. Absolutely. A leader, it could be said, knows the way, shows the way, and goes the way. That's right. That's, great. Front, That's a great out, line. Out it's absolutely true. Yeah, I think about that. Um, you know, if you're, you know, if you're if you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're not really yeah, a leader. You're just right. out for a That's stroll. Right. That's right. <laughs> and you've got so many people who think they can sit back. So here's how you do it. And it's not the yeah, way it works. You got to get it, out there. It, 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 you have to get be out amongst there. them. That's right. You do. You That's have good. To, and, and they and they have to trust you and rely on you and believe in you, which means that sometimes you put their interests first. Mm. And 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 that's not at all. Good leaders will always put the people's interests first because because that's how you. I mean, you you have to be you have to believe enough in them that this is what you want to do. You want to help them. You yeah. want to put their interests first. Absolutely. And it works. That's good stuff. Jack, what's one thing that you do every day that you think contributes to your success? I think uh, I get up and my wife and I have breakfast and we talk about the day and uh, uh, I have a set of writings that I r- run through. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. a great believer in that you are what you think about. Uh, absolutely. And I have a whole set of writings about uh, that tell me you, know, you think about this, think about that. I am a firm believer that I'm where I am 
because I thought about where I wanted to be mm. and I kept going and kept following my dreams. Mm. I, I, I'm a great believer in following your dreams. Mm. And uh, so every day when I sit down at my computer or if I'm up in my workshop, I'm thinking about two or three things I really want to accomplish and uh, to get past. And things won't always go your way. There are going to be some bad days, but I'm a great believer in uh, you are what you think about. I think, well, thoughts become things. Yeah, absolutely. I believe that. There's, I believe there's that. no doubt. I'm, I'm a big believer in that, too. Yeah. You know, uh, no, Napoleon Hill back in the yeah. 1930s, uh, you know, wrote Think and Grow Rich, one of the great I went to uh, university leadership. with his granddaughter here, Judy Hill. At WVU? Yes. No she kidding. was. Uh, I had no idea. Judy Hill. She married uh, uh, Tom McHugh, who was later on the Supreme Court. Wow. And they still live in Charleston. That's Napoleon Hill's That's granddaughter. That's her, her, uh, her grandfather. Wow. Because Tom and I've talked. Tom had the privilege of having met her grandfather. Wow. Think and Grow, which is one of the great. Well, I saw it out there. Yeah, one of the. Great it's <laughs> one of the great books written. Uh, that and How to Win Friends and Influence yeah, People. Dale all those Carnegie, things. Yeah. All those things really matter. Those books, they they, they tell it. And, and you know, it 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 seems so corny. Yeah. But it's absolutely true, and I believe that thoughts become things. There there are universal truths. Oh yes, and absolutely. They're, and they're they're timeless. You know, that's right. They're they're timeless. That's right. Timeless right. principles, and you know, right. a lot of those principles were found uh, are found in the Bible. Oh, absolutely. You know, clearly, not, clearly. It's hard to come up with a, a unique and creative right. idea, right? That's Something right. that's truly, you know. I have a scripture verse I have in front of <laughs> in front of me that I look at every morning, along with all these uh, yeah. other things from from Napoleon Hill and yeah. from others. Yeah. Uh, because I think I think that's what makes a difference. Yeah. Uh, thoughts become things. Absolutely, that that's fantastic, Jack. We've covered a lot in this interview. My goodness, the time's flown by. Uh, is there anything else you think our listeners should know about your story? Uh, that's I- imperative to the uh, your your work as an author now, and and these two books that you have well, out I, right I now. I would, uh, would uh, give a. Uh, blatant commercial I no have, this is great I That's have, why we're here I have books ho- at home if anyone's interested in picking them up from me I'll be happy to, to, to sell them yeah. I'm going to try I'm trying to get some uh, book signings yeah. and uh, I want people who read my books to make reviews honest reviews mm-hmm. um, because that's what matters yeah what's the best way for folks to uh, to get in contact with you uh, and to actually get their hands on these books my uh, email address is fjbowman at comcast.net and I'll be perfectly frank, my phone number is 304-288-7396. And Great. I'm, I'm yeah. available. We'll put that out there for you, I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to, to have the opportunity to talk to people. Yeah, I think because it's Because I say they, awesome. they, they, they see themselves in that position. Yeah, no doubt. And I, I would say that, uh, you know, you've been a, a tremendous mentor to a lot of people, especially law students uh, going through WVU Law School. And uh, I, I'm sure that uh, you would take a question or two from, from sure. folks that they had yeah. a, about right. being an author. I think that's I uh, had, uh, great. I had over 2,000 students in my yeah. teaching career. That's a lot. I yeah. had five I didn't like. And that's not rocket science. They're trying to please you. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I was just, I've been blessed by, I mean, the stu- my students were so wonderful so to me. So good. It yeah. was fun. It was fun. Yeah. You know, my privilege. Well, you made a huge difference uh, well, as well. Yeah, I want to make sure that we, uh, we talk about this as well. Uh, Forrest Jack Bowman, All Our Yesterdays, A Tale of Cunning and Grit. And we got a nice shot there uh, for our producer, Hampton Hill, today. And we also have The Secret of the 48 Foot by Forrest J. Bowman, Jack Bowman. And we got the, we'll make sure we have links to those as well. Jack, 
it's been a real honor to have well, you on this podcast today. I enjoy it. We could talk, sit here and talk all day. It's been about an honor stories. to me. I really appreciate and, it. And I think what you're doing is really great. Uh, you know, you're 83 years old, 83 years young, because you've got a lot of energy. Oh. You've got a lot of, uh, a lot of stories to tell yet and a lot of work to do. And I just think I just want to encourage you to keep up the great well, work. Thank man. you very much. And I appreciate being able to be here today yeah. and, and chatting with you yeah. as we do at Rotary uh, occasionally. Absolutely. And, yeah. I love it. Uh, you're a great friend, and I appreciate uh, the you. opportunity to call you, my friend. Well, thank you. Folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Positively West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media. As we continue on our journey to help share positive stories of companies and people doing amazing things all across the Mountain State, just like my longtime friend, Jack Bowman. Our hope is that we in some way equipped you and inspired you with this business story. If you or someone you know would be a great guest on the show, drop us a line on our website at PositivelyWV.com. And of course, we appreciate your comments, your positive reviews and encouragement as well along the way. And be sure to check out our weekly show, The Positively West Virginia Small Business Mastermind, every Friday from 11 a.m. to noon, where we bring a panel of business experts from around the state together on a, uh, a virtual call to help small business leaders succeed in West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can learn more about our mission of advancing small business and entrepreneurship in West Virginia at PositivelyWV.com. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, until next time, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay positive, West Virginia.